I met him four months ago, but I have learned that Bo Jacob loves a good joke. It seems that one day I died and went to heaven, and Bo died soon thereafter, and he entered the pearly gates. St. Peter met him and led him into a giant room where there was this huge chalkboard stretching all the way that his eyes could see, all the way to the left and all the way to the right and up into the sky, endless. And against that chalkboard were ladders, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ladders. And people, one person on each of those ladders, climbing up and writing on that chalkboard. Bo, St. Peter said, I want you to start at the bottom of this ladder and I want you to take this chalk and as you climb, list all of the sins that you have committed. So, Bo took the chalk and got to work. And then after a bit, the ladder to his left began to shake and he looked up and he saw me climbing down. And he said, hey preacher, are you already finished? And I said, heck no, I'm going back for another piece of chalk. <laughs> Sometimes people expect leaders in the church, especially preachers, to be perfect. And it, all you have to do is ask a ruling elder, a deacon or church staff, and they'll tell you the truth. There are many areas of our lives where we think of ourselves as climbing up, working our way up. In Boy Scouts, a youth works their way up from tenderfoot to second class to first class to star to life to eagle. In Girl Scouts, they don't choose to use ranks. They are classified according to age groups. Daisies, brownies, juniors, cadets, seniors, ambassadors. In school, we work our way up from D to C to B to A. One of those, one of those uh, messages I would have had to put up there on that chalkboard is that in the fourth grade, Mrs. Jim Picaro was my teacher, and I made a, a 24F on a test. And she wrote, I'm very disappointed in Fred's work. And then she said, carry this home and have your mother sign it. And so I took it home and I put, I am very disappointed in Fred's work too. And then I held it up to a glass and I copied her signature. <laughs> but the I am very disappointed in Fred's work too was a fourth grader's writing. So needless to say, there was a little bit of a consultation with the teacher there. I would have to put that one on the chalkboard. In our vocation, we climb the corporate ladder from teller to loan officer to branch manager to district manager or, and so on until one day we reach that far-off goal perhaps of being the vice president or maybe the chief executive officer. Suffice it to say, we work our way up in houses and cars, in clothes and jewelry, in socioeconomic classes, even in iPhones. But where does this concept of working our way up fit within the Christian church? Do we, as members of Second Pres, work our way up from a member in the pew to a member of a council to a deacon to a ruling elder or to a minister of the Word and Sacrament? I once heard a had a conversation with a church member. The person was joining our church, the one that I was serving as pastor, and he had become frustrated by the church that he had been attending. 
And he said, and asked him, you know, what, what brings you back here to this church? His reply was, I had already worked my way up to elder in this church. That church started me out as an usher. And it would have been years before I could work my way up to being elder. So I wanted to come back here where I am respected. I wondered if he needed to become a United Methodist. No, just kidding. Yeah, is that the attitude we, and my middle name's Asbury, so I am not downing any United Methodists, part of my blood. Is that the attitude that we should have in the Christian church working our way up? The Second Pres Nominating Committee did a remarkable piece of work this past fall. They extended an invitation to nine of you as church members whom you as a congregation elected in December to serve as your pastor nominating committee, or your PNC. Now, this is a process that Presbyterians follow in calling our pastors. We are not a a denomination that has anybody that appoints the pastor, which you might have within a United Methodist system or an Episcopal system where there is a, a, a district superintendent or a bishop. Pastors are elected by the people with the support of the presbytery. So we are praying, we are praying for Judy Cutting, Brian Carr, Terry Crickenberger, Elva Mapp, Jed Dutton, Tom Jefferson, Mary Sue Donahue, um, Sharon Blunt, and Lucretia McCulley, as they have already been trained and are now beginning their work of seeking and finding the person whom they will nominate to you to elect to be your next pastor. After this sacred work, our congregation's nominating committee, not the pastor nominating committee, but the, pastor, the, the congregation's nominating committee, has another big responsibility. They are prayerfully identifying people whom they feel are called to serve as ruling elders, deacons, and trustees in the class of 2027. Please pray for our nominating committee members. For Vernon Mays, David Wilson, Dot Apperson, Lauriston Davis, Tom Jefferson, Kathleen Murphy, Catherine Goodpasture, Susan Nachta, and Jackie Jackson. And pray for those who are being asked to serve as officers in our congregation. Here is one of my curious questions. I'm curious. When we ordain and install deacons, ruling elders, and ministers in the Presbyterian Church USA, are they, are we working our way up? Do we work our way up from usher to deacon to ruling elder to minister? Our website and weekly bulletins include this statement. Second Presbyterian Church is a dynamic downtown historic church with a huge heart for mission to the city and into the world. We welcome all whom God calls into life, worship, work, and leadership of this church without regard to gender, cultural heritage, skin color, socioeconomic status, gender identity, sexual orientation, or other life circumstances. Having elected them to do sacred work, does our nominating committee now nominate those who have worked their way up in the church? I believe that First Peter and the choir address this for us today. The issue of leadership in the church is addressed in First Peter chapter 5 in a very 
clear way. At the onset, it helps to acknowledge that Peter, the disciple whom, upon whom the foundation of the church was laid, the one who had every right to act like a superior within the church, is credited with having written this book of the Bible. He writes to elders as a fellow elder, not as a superior. And the real essence of what it means to be an officer and a leader in our church is included in this text. So what is essential? It is that Christians are not working our way up, but working our way down. We are not working our way up to a glorious, regal, gold-embellished throne, but we are working our way down to a towel and a wash basin, working our way down to a cross. Christians do not work our way up to glory, but we see God's glory as we work our way down to our knees in humble service to others. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 25, verses 20, excuse me, chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Jesus said, Among the heathen, kings are tyrants, and each minor official lords it over those beneath him. But among you, it is quite different. Anyone wanting to be a leader among you must be your servant. And if you want to be right at the top, you must serve like a slave. Your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is essential for leaders in the church to grasp. When a minister is ordained and installed, when ruling elders and deacons are elected by a congregation and ordained and installed, we are visibly affirming the humble service that each of us has been called to render. There is not much glory given to church leaders. We are called to be servants. And 1 Peter chapter 5 challenges us with several priorities for the work of church leaders. While I touch on these four priorities, please keep in mind the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and how his servant leadership changed the heart of our nation. First, we are to shepherd the flock of God. Church leaders do not own the congregation. It is not my church, but God's church. In verse 4, God is identified as the best shepherd of all. That means we work under God. We must remember to shepherd the flock of God. To shepherd means to tend, to feed, to even be willing to die for the sheep. Dr. King did that. Second Pres does that as it is, in, it is in, in generous and sacrificial attitudes of tending and feeding the sheep. Second Pres does it in its willingness to risk everything for others. So first, shepherd the flock of God. Second, 1 Peter 5 says we are to serve willingly. Serve voluntarily, not out of a sense of constraint or of being forced to serve because you are a teacher or a choir member or you work with the Monday walk-in ministry or the Tuesday shower ministry 
or you volunteer at the welcome desk in the atrium, or you serve as a ruling elder or a deacon, we are to serve willingly in grateful response to God's call. Third, we are to serve eagerly without expectation of personal gain. Leaders in the church do not serve in order to gain personal recognition or to receive praise for our work. Leaders must be eager to serve but not expect any personal gain apart from pleasing God. And when praise of our work does come, leaders must be careful to not let it go to our heads. Corey ten Boom was a Dutch Christian and during World War II she hid Jewish people in her home during the early part of the German occupation of the Netherlands. For her subversiveness, Corey was arrested and placed in a concentration camp, which she survived. In the latter years of her life, many people praised Corey day after day as she traveled around the world carrying the good news of life in Christ. And in order to not let it go to her head, every time she would hear a word of praise or thanksgiving, she would act as if it was a flower. And she got that flower, whenever it happened, she would just collect the flower and place it into a bouquet. And when the day ended, as part of her closing prayer at night, she would lift the bouquet to God and say thank you for the opportunity to serve you. No expectation of personal gain. And the fourth priority in, in 1 Peter 5 expected of church leaders, is to be an example to the flock. Verse 3 says, Don't bossily tell others what to do, but tenderly show them the way. A wise Christian once said, Remember, God has not called us to be perfect. God has called us to be faithful. If we desire to maintain and grow a community where we have a Second Press says, a huge heart for mission to the city and into the world. We must set an example by being faithful. A nationally known evangelical preacher once said, Christians are a cut above other people. That could be no further from the truth than anything I know. We are not a cut above other people. Christians are called to model Christ to others to be examples of Christ in our words and our actions. Jesus served, so must we. Jesus loved, so must we. Jesus died for others, we should be willing to do that as well. We are a people who are modeling Christ by working our way down to servanthood. Our church needs servants. Our Nation needs servants. Life is not about me. It is about others. Now let me say, that I don't know that I've said this before, but Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Please do not forget that you cannot love your neighbor well until you realize the beautiful person you have been created to be. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we don't love self, we need to have help with that. And talk to us. If, let's have a conversation if that's something you struggle with. Because I have dear people in my life who love others, but they forget about loving self. That's a whole nother sermon. Sorry. 
went that direction. It's okay. Ian Bremmer, the president of the Eurasia Group, was interviewed on CBS this week. The Eurasia Group is a leading geopolitical risk research and consulting firm. And among the geopolitical risks that they forecast for 2024, the Middle East on the brink of an expansion of the war is near to the top. But the greatest geopolitical risk for 2024 is the United States versus itself. The United States versus itself. The group called 2024, quote, a year of grave concern as the U.S. deals with significant internal political challenges despite its global, economic, and military dominance. Brimmer says, The United States is the only country with a global military that can project its power all over the world, but it's also by far the most dysfunctional political system among the wealthy democracies. We are the only wealthy democracy that cannot guarantee a free and fair legitimate transfer of power, which is essential to a functional democracy. Bremer travels all around the world and says that our allies are deeply, deeply concerned about the state of the United States democracy in 2024 and that our adversaries see it as an opportunity for chaos. He concluded, I've never seen anything like this in my life. The interviewer asked if Brimmer knew why, if he knew what it is that is contributing to the chaos, and Brimmer replied, the reason is the abundance of distrust of major institutions like Congress, churches, or the media within the United States. And I would add that for some, there is a distrust of the Supreme Court that I have never seen in my lifetime. So how do we fix this? Certainly through earnest prayer and taking one step at a time. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't know the whole and can't see the whole staircase. One step. Our church, our commonwealth, our nation, our world needs servant leaders. Working our way down is one of the hardest concepts for people to understand. Christians, particularly Christian leaders, must be clothed in humility. We are not climbing up to the pedestals of privilege, but climbing down and washing dirty feet, feeding hungry children, breaking the cycle of homelessness for youth, children, and adults in Richmond, dismantling structural racism, helping to lift hearts in Guatemala and Haiti and Costa Rica, restoring hope through the Presbyterian Church's border ministries. We should work unselfishly until the day that we trade in our bandana soaked with the sweat of service for a glorious crown which will never lose its brightness. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 says, Don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. God will promote you at the right time. But until then, my dear friends, let's all work our way down through humble service. Let us pray. Make us your servants, humble and meek, 
Lord, let us lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of our hearts always be, make us your servants, make us your servants, make us your servants today. Amen.